0: Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to Season 3 of the One Giant Mind Podcast. In this episode, I talk with a very dear old friend of mine, Ashwin Rajan, who has just returned from India back to Australia and is an avid meditator and very dedicated to his practice. He asked me to reflect on why the heart and the principle of love is at the, the center of all the practices that we talk about in this podcast. And um, it was really great to reflect on that subject to remind us of exactly how important it is, and more importantly, how we go about awakening that deep experience of love. I hope you enjoy it. Hey, Johnny. Hi, Ashi. Great to be here. Great to have you here. So you speak a lot, and our practice revolves a lot around love, self-love, the heart space, the heart chakra, in some senses, and there's an experience of that as you deepen and expand your practice. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear your perspectives on that whole chestnut. Love and the heart. I mean, the, the term love has dimensions to it. Um, and we can look at it on a spectrum of sort of very simplistic to deeply complex. And when I say complex, I don't mean complicated. I mean complex in so much as that there are many many layers to the experience of love that ultimately reveal to us the nature of reality my definition of love is that instinctive force oh my definition of love by the way is anthrop- anthropocentric meaning that it's it's about it's from the perspective of humans. human experience yeah um but love absolutely transcends the human experience love is the force that Funds the entire universe. So when we describe love, we'll talk about it from a, a human perspective. At the most basic level of understanding, love is the instinct that is structured within our design. Instinct means a spontaneous response to life that doesn't require any premeditated or preconceptual uh, reflection. It's just spontaneous. And the instinct is to nurture greater connection, greater shared awareness of shared experience for the purpose of nurturing belonging to the whole thing. Now, while we might not conceptually understand love to be that, that is the instinct. When we feel love in our heart, that is what we're desiring to do. The reason why, you know, there have been so many songs written about how love causes so much pain, is because love operates on a, on a deeper level than what we generally allow our awareness to move into. And as a result, misinterpret the instinct. And when we misinterpret it, our expectations and attachments to the expression of love are misguided. And so the reason why love takes center stage in all of these teachings is because it is at the heart of the human experience. It's, it's the thing that we desire most, to be expressive of our love. And notice that I said expressive and not, like a, a, not a recipient mm-hmm. necessarily. To be a recipient of love is actually as equally important but when we get to the heart of what love is, it is something ultimately that wants to be expressed because essentially what love is, is an internally referenced phenomenon, meaning it's something that we experience inside of ourselves. Love is something that is experienced inside of ourself and as a result of that, the, the desire is to be expressive of it. The misconception about love is that we, we see something that triggers that love, but the mistake is that we think that they are the source of the love. That the reason why we're feeling love is because of the thing that we are beholding that is desirable. And the, the, the flow of love is contingent on the degree to which that thing reciprocates, gives, gives attention. And if that thing doesn't give attention, then it, it hurts because the belief is that you, you are the source of that thing. Why would you take your attention away? Ouch. The misconception is that our love is dependent on something outside of ourselves to sustain the flow of the experience of love. At the deepest level of love, it is all-encapsulating, all-inclusive. It is what is truly universal, meaning that what we have love for essentially is life itself. For everything. There is not anything that we don't have love for, actually. And if we have a a limitation in our capacity to love, it is only a condition of our human experience that is limiting what is essentially a universal experience of our deepest nature. And through these practices that you refer to, It is about removing obstruction in both from a psycho-emotional level where we are confronting belief systems that are in direct conflict with the truth of our design. Belief systems such as, I'm not lovable. I'm unworthy of your love. I'm unworthy to be expressive of my love to you. My love is not really worth anything. Mm. My love's not really good love because it's tainted with all this other stuff, pain and sadness and rege- resentment and anger. And, and so that's on the, the emotional level and uh, the, the psychological level, the belief systems become so deeply ingrained in the way in which we perceive reality that it governs our behavior. And we, we act inadvertently against ourselves and sabotage our capacity to have the experience that we desire most. Everybody has a yearning in their heart to, to love and be loved. Everybody wants the deepest love that they could possibly have. We intrinsically know that that's what we want. Mm-hmm. And yet, we find it very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> We struggle with it. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's layered and it's complex. And what these practices, meditation, deep self-reflection, ref- what they afford us is space to see the layers, the complexity of the human experience, and provides that, that, that increased space slash awareness, provides capability to navigate confusion to overcome confusion, to gain insight, gain clarity, so that we can liberate ourselves into the deepest state of love that we, that we can, that yields the most fulfilling experience. So that, that's essentially why love is always at the, at the, at the center. And, and what it is, is just the the behavior that is expressive of what everything in nature is doing, which is always considering the needs of the whole, to be in service of the whole, knowing that we are part of the whole. And while I am contributing to the whole, I am reminding the whole of what it is. I'm empowering the whole, for what it does and i am the recipient the beneficiary of that as well and humanity is in probably one of the greatest crisis moments possibly in the history of humanity possibly Mm. whereby the very thing that i just described is the very thing that we need to awaken to as a matter of great urgency. To recognize that we are one species, and this idea that there is, there is some separation that justifies the way that we behave. There is no separation in all of nature, of all things that exist on this planet that justify any way that we behave as human beings the only the only way that we can explain the way we behave is through through the disconnection of our deepest nature and the only way that we're going to be able to navigate the challenges that we have before us is to awaken the experience the real deep complex experience of love so kind of following on from that thematically johnny how can one practically get closer to our deepest or inherent nature of being loving uh, and, and incorporating more love in everything that we do. Yeah. By recognizing that there is actually no distance, it's not that we get closer, it's just that we begin to remove the conditioned petitions, the, the self-imposed boundaries that we implement within ourselves to protect us from having to feel the pain of our unresolved past. If we are not experiencing the full love of our heart, it is only because you have been conditioned to not be expressive of that, to, to not know that as something that is foundational, that is ultimately the only thing we can rely on in life in order to navigate life successfully while remaining Completely and utterly ourselves, and so the way that we practice becoming more of ourselves is relinquishing the the thoughts and confronting the feelings that create the boundaries to experiencing the self, and. It's a a sticky, tricky business that requires time, sitting with it and becoming intimately familiar with what's actually going on inside, learning to listen, learning to listen compassionately because one can go in and listen and can be highly reactive and judge oneself for thinking and feeling particular ways, feeling shame for feeling emotions you have no control over. You know, this is, this is tricky stuff that requires a deliberate practice of compassion, openness, patience, care, and a sort of a fortitude to sit in discomfort, pain, and feel through into, into that deeper truth of love. Because sometimes when we deliberately move into our emotions... We can almost get swallowed up by them. We can find ourselves almost like in a very dark chamber or in our internal mind that we can feel trapped in. And we know that there is a, an epidemic of this in the world right now. The level of what is referred to as depression. An inability to confront the self? No, it's not necessarily. The people that are experiencing depression are experiencing a state of choicelessness. There comes a time in everyone's evolution where you can no longer ignore. And in the early stages of confronting the, the truth and beauty of who we are, we have to pass through a chasm of fire. We have to conf- confront all that we have been ignoring and why. And that experience can be overwhelming. And if you don't have the tools, if you haven't got the cultivated capacity to reflect, to witness what's going on, as something that is separate from the truth of who you are. That is to say, I am not my thoughts, I am not my feelings. These are things that are occurring inside my mind. I am not my mind. I have a mind. And my mind has thoughts. These are extensions of the self, but they are not the self. If we don't have the tools to be able to have clarity, to distinguish the difference between thoughts and feelings and the experience of the true self, it's a very difficult experience. Very, very difficult. And there is a mind-bogglingly large amount of people on the planet that are currently entrenched in that. Mm. The depressive epidemic is an indication. It's the early signs of mass awakening because it means that they can no longer ignore, pretend everything's fine everything's fine and carry on behaving in unsustainable ways that's causing all kinds of problems in the world so as terrible as it is it's kind of exciting at the same time (laughs) yeah Yeah. the the, you know let's frame you know the epidemic of depression as the early onset of of mass global awakening Mm -hmm. it's exciting if a critical mass of those individuals actually break on through to the other side and truly see the light of who they are and then they can once they have emerged and become stable, they can strategically go back into the trenches and help others out go hey, I know where you I know where you are mm. and just over the hill, wow. keep going, keep going just over the hill, promise you and um, I'm seeing a lot of that. I'm training people that have come out of that. And they're having remarkable impacts in other people's lives as a result of it. Beautiful. So I'm very optimistic from that perspective. But there are a lot of environmental pressures that pose an enormous challenge for the emergence of, of the human psyche. You know, for, yeah, we're confronted with enormous challenges. It takes great character to confront all this. But that's what we need. And that's why we focus on training teachers because the more teachers are out there, the more support system there is for cultivating this experience. Thank you for taking some time to listen to the One Giant Mind podcast and I hope you're getting a lot out of it. If you're somebody that hasn't yet got a regular meditation practice, One Giant Mind offers a couple of ways in which you can make that happen right now. You can go to onegiantmind.com and have a look at our teacher directory. We've got hundreds of teachers around the world teaching the One Giant Mind Being technique, both in person and online. And if whatever reason you're unable to get to one of those courses, you could download our free Learn to Meditate app. It's called One Giant Mind. It's got a 12-step course that'll get you started. And if you're already a regular meditator and feel deeply called to bring this beautiful practice into the world, we strongly encourage you to check out our One Giant Mind Teacher Training Academy. We train passionate meditators to become powerful leaders in their community, equipped with tools to empower others to know themselves very intimately. We teach a powerful process of how to run a meditation course and facilitate the building and growing of a community. And we would love to welcome you into our global family of teachers. A special thanks to our show producer, Daniel Tucker, a.k.a. Spiritual Tradie, our music composer, the one and only Ali Liberman, and all of the One Giant Mind team.